Welcome to Tripod, our travel retail themed podcast series in collaboration with the SEVA Group. I'm Martin Moody. I'm Roger Jackson. Nice to be back again, Roger. And uh, once more, we have a very special guest that we're going to introduce in a moment. Um, and as always, you've picked out an issue of the week to discuss. So what's that going to be? I think, Martin, for this week, the um, the topic I'd like to discuss is the travel corridor that's been opened up between Germany, uh, Brunei and Singapore. And I think whilst uh, it's limited, obviously limited to those three countries, I think it's really important. You know, Singapore has been one of those countries along with where you are today, Hong Kong, um, Germany, New Zealand, have been one of those countries that has obviously been very, very difficult to get in and out of with very stringent, um, you know, uh, legislation in place. And that's obviously seen very limited COVID cases in those countries. And in many aspects, you can say that strategies work for them. I think, especially given us sat in our industry, that isn't that helpful. And we all want you know, return to safe travel. So the fact that Singapore has now opened this travel corridor up without quarantine to Germany and Brunei, I'm hoping this is the first step to, you know, countries doing this with a number of different countries they obviously trust and they're sharing data, et cetera. Because I think whilst this includes three countries at the moment, suddenly that three can become five, that five can become 10, and suddenly you can then connect a number of different countries around, around the world. So I think for us in travel retail and generally is in terms of global travel, I think this is a real important first step into uh, a return to safe travel. What, what do you think, Martin? Yeah, couldn't agree more. And, and there's been a discernible shift in the attitude of the Singaporean authorities to one of um, learning to live. With, with COVID, they've been very yeah. public about it, their politicians, as opposed to, you know, this zealous goal of, of zero locally transmitted cases. I think the Delta variant, frankly, changed everything. I, 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 we're, we're probably going to see that change in, in my home country of New Zealand as well, but definitely um, a, a, a really good sign. And all of us, of course, want to see that great Singapore airport uh, reopening and, and fully and, and trading again. So can't wait for that. All right, Roger, good. Well, it's time to meet a very special guest with a very interesting story. This episode's special guest is Luke Marga, Managing Director, Global Travel Retail at Distel Limited, South Africa's and indeed Africa's leading producer and marketer of wines, spirits, ciders, and other ready-to-drink beverages sold across the world throughout the Global Travel Retail Channel through Luke's leadership. It's famous internationally and certainly in travel retail for its great cream liqueur brand, Amarula, but the portfolio has several other gems, including some great South African wines and an eclectic spirits portfolio, including Deanston Single Malt from the Scottish Highlands, a personal favorite, Bain single grain whiskey from South Africa and many others. Now Luke's had over 16 years in the global TR business, having held senior roles with Beam Global Spirits and Wines, now of course Beam Suntory from 2005 to 2012, and earlier on with Maxium, remember, remember that name, for just over four years. 
And Luke has another claim to fame, and I believe it's a unique one in the travel retail industry. He's a former golf pro. At the age of 13, he was playing off a single-figure handicap, and by 16, playing off scratch. Wow. A natural ability that led him to him turning pro after leaving university. So I'm sure we'll learn about, more about that today and uh, also discover what drove the career choice between golf and the drinks and travel retail industry. Luke, thanks for being with us. Thanks again, Martin and, uh, and Roger. Great to be here. Good. Well, Roger, I'm going to pass over to you to kick us off today for what promises to be a fascinating conversation. Thanks, Martin, and hi, Luke. Hey, Roger. Um, I think the place we've got to start, especially in travel retail, we've got plenty of people in travel retail who all think they should be golf professionals. Uh, but as we see at most of our golf events, aren't, uh, including myself. Where did the golf start? And, you know, to, to become a golf professional is unbelievable. So how did all of that start? And uh, tell us that fascinating story. Yeah, no, so um, look, grew up in a, a small little town just outside of Newcastle, just north of north of Sydney, and there was just a nine-hole golf course just uh, on our backyard, so um, each afternoon, I used to jump the jump the fence, play a couple of holes with uh, with my father, you know, using a, a cut-down uh, iron, and uh, kind of just got a passion for it, and uh, it was just, uh, you know, something that, you know, sport that I just really enjoyed. One thing I enjoyed about it is that uh, every time you actually popped on a golf course, as we all know, it just changes. One day you can have absolutely a fantastic round. The next day it can all go uh, in a different direction. So it was a challenging, uh, I guess, aspect of the sport that, uh, that really drove it, uh, you know, me down this line. Um, and I think also just my grandmother, you know, she, she always used to say to me, you know, if you go and play golf uh, with with members, you know, back in the uh, in the late eighties and nineties, it teaches you discipline. Um, and you know, especially at some of these golf clubs, they'll clip you over the ears if you uh, if you look at them wrong uh, in the wrong direction. So, yeah, it was a it was a great passion of mine, and uh, and one that uh, now being up here in Scotland that uh, that I'm reigniting. And I'd have to say I'm probably more excited about picking a golf club up at the moment than what I was when I was about six. So uh, yeah. And what what do you play off now, Luke? Um, look, I, I still play off about two at the moment. Um, wow. So getting back into it. Uh, it used to be a lot easier, but I think it must be just age. Um, I can remember being a lot more flexible the last time I was really playing at a uh, at a better level. So uh, I have to work on that flexibility. And you've got one of those interesting backgrounds, actually similar to me. I didn't start off in travel retail on the shop floor, but you started off in travel retail on the shop floor. Yeah. Um, and I, I know quite a few people who did as well. It seems to be a bit similar with sort of grocery backgrounds. People start off on the shop floor, but you've got that grounding as being on the shop floor and obviously building your way up. What was that like all those years ago working in travel retail on the shop floor? Yeah, it was um, it was totally different to, to what it is now. And uh, I love being on the floor, even to this day. You know, if someone offers me an opportunity to go and spend an hour training a promoter um, on the floor, it's something I enjoy doing, you know, that hand selling. But um, it came actually, I was playing a pro-am uh, with, with a guy down in, uh, in Sydney and he was managing a, a large liquor um, outlets. And 
I was after some part-time work. So I said, you know, it's uh, golf was progressing quite nicely, um, but, you know, I just wanted a little bit more cash in the, in the back pocket. And said, so, look, you know, if you have any work, just, uh, you know, happy to undo boxes. I'm happy to stack shelves. And he said, look, I'll put you in contact with an agency there after some staff in Sydney airport. So, um, I, you know, a week later, rock up to an interview um, and, uh, and, and got the job working on the floor there for, for Maxium. And, you know, at that time there, Sydney Airport uh, was in 20, 2001, um, you know, the, the arrival store. And that was kind of the first arrival stores within travel retail. So um, got out on the floor. It was at 5 a.m. starts. I'd be finished work in the airport there at 10 a.m. And it was perfect because then I'd just go to the golf course and uh, be there at 11 and I'd play golf until all hours of the evening and do the same thing the next day. So um, it was a perfect balance uh, in, in both from a golf aspect and also from a uh, from introduction into the liquor industry as well. Um, and you've obviously stayed pretty much in travel retail looking at, you know, Big Tory and obviously your current role as well. Um, What's your view on travel retail, where we came from and where we are now? What's sort of your gem personal view on where we are and where we're heading? Yeah, look, I think it's a, it's a huge transition. Uh, you know, going back to the days on the, on the floor there at Sydney Airport, you had an assortment of malt whiskies, which were about 12, 12 products. You know, you had four vodkas, four gins. Uh, a little bit of wine and, and four cognac brands. Um, the assortment has just uh, increased significantly. And I think it's driven majority through obviously innovation. And that's what the channel is all about. And I think we, we, we cannot lose sight of, of how innovation plays that important role within travel retail. Um, and we got to a good stage, I feel, pre-COVID where, you know, there was lots of new gins coming up in the markets, whether it's vodkas, whether it's, uh, you know, some really nice whiskies. Um, and I hope that, you know, after COVID, we actually remember what travel retail is actually about because we are seeing some of the, the, the assortments are reduced and, and for obvious reasons, but we don't want to go back and, and take a backward step of 15 years or so and, and go back into a smaller assortment because the consumers, if we look at their shopping patterns now online, um, they're expecting new, they're expecting more. Um, so, uh, but certainly the, the actual stores, when you walk through them, uh, have, have certainly um, become a shopping destination. Uh, and I'm a, I'm a sucker for a shop. Uh, I'll get to the airport three hours early and I want to walk around an airport and uh, I'll always buy something that I probably don't need. Um, but that is, I think, more due to the actual environment and what the way that the environment's actually being created these days. Yeah, no, for certain. Yeah, just go back to that fork in the road. Luke, briefly, because most of our listeners won't know that you were actually out there on the circuit, on the pro circuit. Yes. Um, pretty attractive lifestyle, I suppose, on one hand. I know there's lots of pressures uh, with it as well. You talked about the need to put cash in the bank. Was, was it as simple a decision as that, or you're tired of life on the road? Yeah, look, there was a couple of defining moments. It, um, it came after probably one of my best years uh, actually playing. And, uh, and my passion was always about giving golf lessons. I loved giving golf lessons. I like helping people, um, you know, improve their golf. And I remember I, that, Roger. <laughs> <laughs> I need it. I don't 
And uh, it was kind of that fork in the road as you talk about, because I, I sat there one night and uh, I knew I was never going to be good enough to, to make it full time as a golf pro playing. Uh, you, you've got to draw that line in the sand. I, I had a look at a couple of my friends who had just kept on just trying and trying and trying. And the more they tried, the, the, the further away that, um, that goal became. So I kind of sat there and had a conversation with, uh, with, with Roscoe at the time from Maxim and, and Joel Fong and just said, guys, you know, is there anything that I can actually do to, to move into travel retail from a sales aspect? Still want to kind of continue my golf, but, um, you know, it's more just I had to make a career change. Uh, and I was in my early 20s. Um, lifestyle had a lot to do with it as well. You know, life on as a, as a golf pro, if you're not uh, making cuts on a weekly basis, um, baked beans on toast becomes a luxury. Uh, so, uh, so I had to make a career change and, uh, and, and it was great that uh, there was an opportunity to join the Maxim team at that stage. Since then, you've worked for some great companies. You're working for a yeah. great company now. Very different companies, very different experiences, I, I expect. Just tell us briefly about that journey. Yeah, definitely. So first of all, started off there in uh, in Maxim, based in Sydney, uh, looking after the Australia and uh, Australian duty-free market as just their business development manager. So it's uh, a so really hands-on job working with promoters and, and starting to, to deal with the, the customers uh, in the Australian aspect. And then um, throughout that career, had some opportunities to take on some new markets such as New Zealand or uh, in the Pacific Islands, which are quite uh, sizable markets uh, when you've got brands uh, like Jim Beam down in Australia. Um, and, uh, and at that stage there, it was, um, it was kind of that opportunity where it was just stretching me into, a, into, a, into the love of travel retail. Um, and, I, and I certainly wanted more. And, you know, as you know, the portfolio for Maxim, we had some phenomenal products in there. Um, you know, brands like McAllen was in uh, Highland Park. And if I look at where they were on the shop floor and where they are now today, you know, they've done a, a phenomenal, um, you know, uh, success of, of the brand. So it, uh, it, was, it was disappointing. It was a, a shame when obviously Maxim uh, split down, uh, down in that way and, and Remy parted and, uh, and V&S Spirits parted. But it still actually had two really, really strong uh, brand owners uh, to, to continue my career on with travel retail. Um, and it was at that point there, you know, if I, if I digress, I was taking, looking after New Zealand there for a while. Um, and it was where I actually met my wife, um, actually in a meeting um, in, at, when she was working for DFS. Um, and it was, uh, it was always something that, uh, that Joel mentioned to me. He said, you always get close to your customers, but uh, I'm not sure he meant to get that close to the customer at uh, that early stage. Um, but yeah, so we, we then obviously got, uh, I got moved into the position there in, uh, in Jim Beam, again, managing just the Australian business and, and overseeing a, a little bit of the Asia Pacific market um, and, and trying just to work out some, uh, some strategic direction there. Uh, which was a lot of fun, you know, brands like Jim Beam uh, are, are great down in Australia, you know, just the largest selling spirit brands still down there. So it was good exposure um, into, into how big brands actually act. Um, but it did get to a stage where I was probably getting a little bit, not bored in my role, but I just wanted that next challenge. Um, so it was only one Christmas that... Uh, my wife and I decided over the Christmas table that uh, we're going to move to Hong Kong. Uh, so, um, 
So we decided to pack up our uh, life in, in, in Sydney, which was a fantastic life. Uh, Arnico at that stage was only two and a half. And we relocated to, to Hong Kong and set up a, a design and a construction company, uh, still in travel retail, but uh, building wall bays and uh, HPP areas for, for a lot of the brands that, uh, that are still in those airports. And um, it, it allowed me just to continue in travel retail, because I think once you do get in travel retail, the, the community around travel retail and the, and, and the friendships that you actually make are, are invaluable. Um, you know, so... Uh, so we actually set up quite a successful business uh, there in Hong Kong. And uh, as we were talking earlier, Martin, you know, Hong Kong is just such a dynamic city. Um, you know, 18 hours a day you could work, but it doesn't seem like you're working 18 hours because the, the city never sleeps. So, um, and then, uh, you know, getting on to, to where I am now is, is around distill. And it was only by coincidence that, uh, I was I was approached by uh, by Marius Fischer in uh, in Distill at the time, and uh, asked me to join him for a coffee. And uh, so I joined him at a coffee. End up going to the wrong hotel hotel to uh, to meet Marius. But um, you know we had a chat, and uh, Marius wanted someone to set up their Asia Pacific travel retail business. So uh, based in Hong Kong. So I thought, uh, look, I might be able to straddle both roles uh both doing the design role and and the still role but because uh, i did miss those those conversations that you have with a buyer over the table you know it's those negotiations about one margin point or uh, that extra five thousand us dollars for a light box they're, they're the fun negotiations that i did miss um and and managed to set up the asia pacific travel retail uh business for distilled um, travel retail at that stage, we only had one relationship, and that was with DFS. Um, so we managed to set up a full route to market portfolio, um, which was great. And and still as a company, you know, the brands are so desirable when you actually get immersed in the brands. It's uh, we've got so much potential uh, behind those brands. And then there was some change in senior management um, when Marius moved into Taiwan. And uh, then I had an opportunity to, uh, it was whilst we were in South Africa, to, to take over as the, as the MD of Travel Retail and, uh, and based in South Africa. At, uh, and I can still remember the conversation that, uh, that I had with, with the director down there. We were sitting in a, in a game reserve up in Kapama, which is up uh, north in just, just shy of the, uh, the Kruger National Park. And uh, he, the first thing he said, look, he said, you know, this means restructuring uh, would you guys ever think of moving to South Africa? And uh, I was on speakerphone and all my daughter was doing was doing handstands in the background going, yes, when can we move? And my wife's kind of looking going, yep, let's do it. Um, so that moved us to South Africa, uh, which was, uh, was two and a half years of uh, restructuring, new strategies in place. You know, we went from a, a very young travel retail business unit that was only really set up in 2000 and uh 12 2013 um but uh really structured around you know key travel trail uh airports and and building brands building armorilla in the right way commercially viable but also just telling our story so um two and a half years down in uh, in, in cape town which uh, living on the wine farms in in stellenbosch is, is quite difficult on the weekends uh because it is uh, which wine farm shall we go to today? Uh, so, uh, but, uh, and then after that, um, 
I was traveling quite a bit in the last year of, uh, of living in South Africa and uh, a lot up here into the UK and, and Europe and uh, sat down and had the hard conversation to say, look, you know, it's probably easier if I actually relocated uh, to the UK, uh, which then brought us up here into the UK for two years, um, which we absolutely loved. Still the same role, but then we built a little bit more of the team, a lot more drive behind our premium spirits range. Um, and it was only last year that uh, my daughter decided uh, that she wanted to go to school in Scotland. So, um, and she'd never been there. So we flew up to Scotland, seen some schools, um, and she was set, heart set on, on a particular school up here. And uh, that brought us to, to Edinburgh and to Stirling now, um, where, we're, where we're sitting here on the hottest day apparently of uh, of the month which is going to be 26 degrees up here in Stirling today so uh, there'll be a lot of Scots that are melting uh, I'm sure so uh, you've gradually got colder as your career has gone <laughs> you, I, I think you can only go from from Stirling I think you've got to go to Iceland or the North Pole next so I think that's the Exactly, exactly. And my wife's, uh, she doesn't like the cold, Roger. And uh, when I said, you know, we're moving to South Africa, she's like, fantastic. I can get back and, you know, have some beach life and, uh, and enjoy kind of the four seasons. Um, but when I said we're moving to Scotland, she's the first thing she Googled is, well, the temperatures uh, variance between London and Scotland is like 10 degrees in winter and 10 degrees in summer. I said, well, but, you know, lifestyle up here in Scotland, as, as you both know, it's just it's yeah. such a beautiful country. Um, you know, it's a, I'm sitting here just in an old converted barn stable at the moment, looking out at uh, fields of barley and cows. Uh, and it, it actually makes this, the job actually more, uh, you appreciate the job a little bit more. Um, and the people are much nicer up here. Uh, close to our whiskey distilleries, so, uh, so yeah. it's great. You, you've had a really varied career, um, a lot in, well, mostly in travel retail, as you said, uh, and you're, you're absolutely right. I think most people outside of travel retail don't understand the, like the buzz and you get hooked on it. I'm also very similar, you know, 13, 14 years in travel retail and I thought I'd be there for a year. You've worked for some great companies, Distel, obviously an amazing company. Um, throughout that career, is there anyone like a mentor or someone you've worked for or someone you've worked with that you would, you know, call out as having a big impact on you? Yeah, look, I think um, in my Beam days, uh, there was a guy down there, Nick Detmold, who, who was working for Jim Beam and he was a commercial director at the stage. And he was the first one that really kind of took me under his wing and, and, and tried to push me into outside my comfort level and uh, really had me understanding other aspects of of the bean business. Um, so, um, so it was actually great to have that grounding uh, at that point in time. And then, you know, you, you touch on people as you go through your career. And I, and I believe that, you know, you can learn a little bit from everyone. Um, you know, the, the, the role that I'm in today, you know, was really driven and, and through Marius Vacher, uh, who's now actually up in, in MMI there. Um, yeah. Marius was the one that uh, really drove me to get the opportunity to kind of head up travel retail. And because uh, within Distill, travel retail at that stage, no one really knew what the opportunity was. No one knew what the actual uh, the channel involved. All they saw was it's an expensive channel and we don't sell much at the moment, uh, and especially for a large scale business like, uh, like Distill. But um, it, uh, it allowed me just to, to, to get my feet under the ground and um, 
also had some other people just uh, mentor me on the way, you know, it's, uh, which has actually been great. Um, and as we progressing and, and, and driving the business heading forward at the moment, um, you know, there's some dynamic people in our, in our industry at the moment, whether it's through marketing or supply chain or, or my current uh, reporting line, that all are having that little bit of impact on, on what I'm doing at the moment. So, yeah. Okay. Just to close off this section, Luke, let's talk about um, CSR a bit. And within, within Distill, obviously I mentioned Amarula earlier on. I think one of the great CSR programs in our industry is the Amarula Trust. Just tell us briefly about that and why you feel so passionately about it. Yeah, no, definitely, Martin. It was something um, that really I got my hands involved with when I moved to South Africa uh, and saw the opportunity. You know, the Amarula Trust was set up in South Africa, but it wasn't really leveraged enough in the, uh, in the other aspects of the world. So the Amarula Trust is, is about basically giving back. We want to become a brand with a purpose. So the trust is all about empowering people. Um, and that is going down to the producers. Like the Marula fruit as, as such that makes up our Marula isn't cultivated. It's actually found on the plains of, uh, of South Africa. So um, we have to engage local villages to go and collect the fruit for us to kind of bring back to our production sites to start that production. And uh, even down to the tassel, which is actually around the bottle uh, neck, that's actually uh, a, a local business that's actually run by, by ladies um, down in the Western Cape. They actually hand make every single tassel that goes on a bottle of Amarula. Everything, wow. the, the one litre down to the 50, uh, 50 CL um, bottles. So it's a really good story. And it's about, you know, really giving back. Um, the trust was founded in, in 2008. Um, lots of conservation about elephants um, and you know we we know the struggles that they're going through at the moment you know an elephant is actually killed every 15 minutes uh, in in Africa and it's 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 an extraordinary um, thing to kind of fathom I think in this this day and age that uh, this is still happening and the poachers are getting uh, a lot more um, you know uh, teched up and uh, in this but Amarula Trust really is, is, is around conservation, it's around protecting um, and, and, and really empowering the local people there in, uh, in, in Africa. Um, and that's what we want to get behind the brand. And I think one of the most successful um, stances we took from a, from a business perspective was in 2018. And we worked with a couple of the retailers during the month of August. And we gave 50 euro cents back for every bottle of Amarula that we sold in travel retail. Um, and both retailers that we worked with actually matched that, uh, that donation as well. So, uh, you know, we end up giving back at just over 100,000 euros um, just during that month. And uh, so it's something that we're continually working on. Um, you know, we're working on some great new projects at the moment. Project Kanisha, which is a, a white albino elephant, which was abandoned by her mother, um, which we're, we're kind of, um, you know, looking after at the moment in one of the... Uh, one of the, the, the protection areas up in, in South Africa as well. So it's, it's something quite close to my heart, um, you know, especially when you see these beautiful animals, um, mammals just in person. Um, yeah, well, it's, it's brilliant work and, and, um, and congratulations for all that you've done. And we'll certainly continue to showcase your efforts as you know, because I think it's fundamentally important. Well, yeah. now, at this stage of the show, Luke, we're going to do something completely different, as they say. We're going to take you off to our resident 
duty-free island, um, des desert island, and uh, we're going to give you a few creature comforts there. So I'm going to pass over to Roger to uh, to take you there. Fantastic. So Luke, um, you've arrived on the island. Uh, you're allowed to bring one book, um, any type of book you want. What what book we have on the island? Look, I think the most interesting book that I've, that I've read, and it still sits in my, my suitcase every time I, I travel, is The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari. And uh, that book there is all about purpose. Um, and I think it was a distinguishing time in my life where kind of I, I looked at more of, of changing what we actually do and how we actually become uh, and who we want to become. Um, you know, out of that book there, there's, there's a line there, you know, life of uh, the purpose of life is a life of a purpose. Um, and that always just resonates in, in kind of everything that I try and do. So that would be one book that I'd actually uh, definitely take along. Fantastic. And along with that book, you have to bring some music. Uh, so one song, what, what music would it be? So one song, Jeepers. Um, I have a really range of, uh, of music, anything from ACDC down to Michael Bublé down to, to, to kind of uh, David Bowie or, or Queen. So um, I, think, um, I think if there's one song there, I'd probably, it'd be Michael Bublé Home um, because it's, it, it's a song that, uh, that I always play as I'm actually traveling back back home um, from, from a business trip because it's, uh, you know, it's, it just is meaningful, uh, you know, just, just to, and, and you do feel like um, you're rewarded when you actually get back there. It gets me in the mood. Amazing. And on the island, um, you can have a dinner party. So you plus three guests, uh, dead or alive, um, anyone you want, who would you have at the dinner party? Um, so yeah, I, I was actually thinking of of this actually watching the other uh, podcasts, and uh, I think one of the the people that I'd bring across would be Chevy Chase, uh, because I think you know, going back to the old Caddyshack days and going back to National Lampoon's Christmas, it's you know, I think he'd be quite a quite an entertaining soul <laughs> to to be sat there. Definitely um, Cameron Diaz. Um, there's something about her. Uh, I think you know that's uh, you know that we we could. Uh, it should be a lot of fun. And then Billy Connolly. Uh, yeah. I think you know Billy's just uh, his book. You know, born in Scotland. Is, he's got a phenomenal life. That guy. So uh, I think he's quite quite a hilarious uh, three three people over there. That's going to be some party. <laughs> we, we'd hope so. So um. uh, it would be indeed. Well, listen. Given your career path, Luke, we've got to give you the creature comfort of a duty-free item yes. and uh, you can be as, as parochial as you wish um might come from your sector might come from another sector what would it be look i think um i think i'd take a, a single malt and, and it'd have to it'd have to probably be a macallan 18 year old uh, you know because i think it's it was one of the first brands that uh, that i was immersed in uh, and it's something that uh, that still remains, you know, I think as as that benchmark for, for all brands to, to aspire to. Um, so yeah, it was it'd be McAllen 18, I'd, I'd say. All right, great choice. And just to close out, Luke, we're, um, as your reward for coming to our desert island, we're also gonna fly you anywhere in the world with your family, place of your choice, where would it be and why? I think, um, 
I've always wanted to go to base camp and, and, and you know, base camp of Everest. Um, and I'm not sure that my wife would probably enjoy that vacation, <laughs> given that she doesn't really like the, the cold. But uh, I think base camp would be one of those places where you could just meet some very interesting people. Um, you know, and, and, and people with, with, with different purposes of actually being there. So, yeah, it'd be base camp. Um, we might not have to tell my wife until we actually get her on the plane, though, Martin. So, yeah, don't let her watch the program. No. <laughs> uh, excellent. Uh, Luke, it's been terrific talking. What a, what, a, what a great journey you've had geographically and career wise, and, you know, with a bit of golf thrown in along. So, uh, I'm, I am sure. You're the only travel retail executive in the history of our industry that's also been a professional golfer. So it's fascinating. Well, there's really one, Martin, there's really one. I think there's plenty out there who present. <laughs> well, I think Roger Sunotulli uh, says that yeah. he's actually a professional golfer. He ran a he ran an education series, golf education, on YouTube for a while. Luke, I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, I've seen it in uh, on YouTube, but I've also experienced it in real life, Martin, and uh, the similarities are, uh, are spot on. Yeah, yeah. All right. Very good. Luke, listen, stay well, and I hope it's not too long before we can actually all meet face to face and, and have a glass maybe of good South African wine and, uh, and uh, enjoy face to face contact. But for now, it's been great to meet you virtually and uh, Take good care and your family and, and your colleagues, and I hope all goes well in the future. Fantastic. Thanks again, Martin. Thanks, Roger. Really Speak appreciate it. Cheers. Bye-bye. So, Roger, what a nice guy and what an interesting conversation that was. Yeah, I think Luke um, is one of those people in travel retail, Martin, that uh, really understands the business. He started from the shop floor, literally selling um in travel retail right through to obviously now the managing director of distill um who've got an unbelievable range of products not just in a couple of categories they've got products right across the piece whether it's wines whiskies liqueurs etc it's really a great portfolio and a, a company that's really going places you know if you look on uh, if you do a couple of internet searches the speed of growth they still have had in the last sort of five years is unbelievable. And where they're going to go to is, uh, I guess, for anyone to guess, but I think they're going to go to some pretty big places. And their growth in travel retail has been really big. Amarula is, you know, absolutely now is, is up there with Baileys and the other large liqueurs in the category. Yeah, no, and they're in good hands in travel retail with Luke, clearly. So that was great. We've got some really good... Uh, additional guests coming up in future weeks so we're going to look forward to that but roger we'll close out today i'll see you next time around and we'll see everybody next time see you next time see you next week